Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Jerry Hill, Aaron Goldsmith here. Aaron, it is Mariners in the Wild Part 2, which I'm very excited about. Ah, G-Man, good to hear your voice. Mariners in the Wild, you can't beat that. It's a great quarantine topic, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, Oh, before we get to our topic, though, I do want to say... Uh, on the podcast tomorrow, it is Jackie Robinson Day, and so we have, Ooh. yeah, we'll have a Jackie Robinson celebration, including one of my favorite interviews you've ever done with Vin Scully. That will be on the podcast coming up tomorrow. You mean the interview where I turned on a recorder, pressed record, and handed it to Vin Scully, and he talked for four minutes, and then handed yeah. it back to me, and I pressed stop? And you got all <laughs> kinds of congratulations for how good the interview was. <laughs> Aaron, great job with the interview. Thank you. Oh, best interview ever. Best interview you've ever done, Aaron. Thank you. I said almost nothing. And I worked the recorder properly. It all recorded. Can you imagine? I mean, you you and I have both been in this situation where you either forget to press record and you don't realize it till halfway through the interview or heaven forbid at the end of the interview or uh, maybe worse, maybe just as bad. I don't know. Your battery in the recorder dies during the interview like that's happened to me a couple of times yeah can you imagine if that would have happened during that interview i know i mean like you're not you're not telling vin scully that and then coming back in five minutes like it's over man you just you got to fake it the rest of the way shake his hand and then just kiss it goodbye so thank goodness you know actually i was going through some stuff i happen to have some time and i found (laughs) my I found my scorecard from that game, Jackie Robinson Day at Dodger Stadium. And Taiwan Walker pitched. And that game, so I I interviewed Mr. Scully on Jackie Robinson Day from his booth at Dodger Stadium. And I had him sign my scorecard, my scorebook, on one of the pages. And he signed it in a blue Sharpie. His standard signature is best wishes, Vin Scully. And so... I have that in a very safe place, and that's that's in the queue for for framing. Hopefully, some point very soon. That's a very special, very special piece of memorabilia that I have. I mean, we, what are, what are the odds, man? What are the odds that we are at Dodger Stadium on Jackie Robinson Day in one of the final years of Vin Scully's career? I, I mean, mean, yeah, just, it's impossible. Uh, an AL West team, too, right? I mean, like I, I bet you. What are the the odds that the Mariners are ever at Dodger Stadium again on Jackie Robinson Day, right? it never happens again. Yeah, I bet it never happens again. I'm just so grateful that we were there and I was able to interview him. I'm surprised that you allowed him to sign your iPad. That's that's really surprising. (laughs) You know, I guess it's a good thing in this case that was pre-iPad scorebook. Ah, I see. So it was an actual actual Sharpie. It would have been great if you signed a Sharpie on my iPad. I, th- I think that you'd have it for all time. It'd be wonderful. You know, I told the story the other day when I had James Paxton sign my scorecard from his no hitter. It was on an iPad and I took it into the clubhouse one of the final days of the season. And because secretly I thought, I think James is going to trade it this winter. So I better get this signed now. And he was traded and he 
is sitting at his locker and I show him the scorecard and like he's never seen a scorecard on a computer before, right? And I ask him to sign this. And as you know, because you also have the same scorebook set up I do on the iPad, uh-huh. the the pencil is very true to life, but there's no drag. There's like no friction between the pen and the tablet. So it writes kind of quickly when you've never done it before. And it does take a few pen strokes just to get a feel for it. And so he'd never done it before. And so he signed his autograph and he wrote no hitter and he wrote the date and everything on the scorecard. And he kind of looked at the autograph and he was kind of cocking his head to the side. And I, I said, you know, James, what's the matter? He's like, you know, I just, I don't know if I really like how that looks. And I was like, not a problem, James. Eraser. <laughs> Why don't you try again? <laughs> In fact, James, you take as many passes at your autograph as you need to to get it perfect because it's like it never happened until we keep it. So uh, it, it, I, do, I have had one person autograph the iPad on a scorecard. And what's going to be great is when you transfer that autograph or copy that autograph to mine on, you know, for his no-hitter, and I'll have it too. So it'll be, it'll be I can't, great. I actually can't believe that we haven't done that, but we people do need too. to know. When I showed you that I got this, you were at first really excited like for me. Uh-huh. Like, oh, that's so cool. And then you said, hey, can you copy and send that to me? <laughs> <laughs> it'll be perfect. It's just and what I need. I, I need to do that. Yeah, exactly. It's just the same. Yeah. Absolutely the same. Did James Peck? But yeah, Scully, yeah, man, that absolutely was absolutely James Peck awesome. signed this. This is his signature. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> man, I'm 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 happy that that will get played um and it'll be it'll be great. Although it will probably make us all miss baseball more yeah. to hear his voice. But uh, nothing sounds like baseball more than Vince Scully, so that's pretty great. And what a what a great opportunity that particular day was. Yeah, no, that'll be fun. It'll be a fun day coming up tomorrow. Also fun, the Mariners uh, on Baseball Reference in second place, still 11-7 and seven hey, now, a nice start. They're off to a good start. Tell you what, man, Tom Murphy continues to crush. He's OPSing over 1,000, five dingers. That's nice. I mean, he is. This is a season he would like to have, very much so. Who else is doing well? How about Marco? Four starts, a one nine three ERA. Oh, I... How about that? Heck yeah, man. Marco's tearing it up. Boy, Kendall Graveman, not so good. Ten, almost an 11 Ernie through three starts. We'll let that slide. Graveman has um, more wins than Marco, which is funny. C- Gary, come on. Did you just do that? I know, wins. It's my point about wins. Marco, okay. a 193. Right, okay. Graveman, a, yeah, a 10. Yeah, good point. Okay. Very fair. Although, Marco does have a postseason one under his belt. Let's see, who else is doing things? Uh, Lopes. Uh, Lopes is doing well. On base of nearly 490. Kikuchi's, yeah, got, we got, Kikuchi's got an ERA oh. just a touch over three and four starts. 26 punch outs in 28 innings. That's nice. It's very nice, man. That's very Hey, 318 three for you say is yeah. incredibly nice. Apparently he, he brought his uh, 97 he was throwing in spring to the regular season. So that's that's good. I hope he gets that back, man. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, second place Marineros on the 2020 simulated season. And there's a knuckleballer in the rotation. So that's, yeah, that's that, great. That does add to it. Absolutely. 
Okay, so we have a well, bunch good. of stories. Oh, good. I'm glad this is still going strong. Yeah, we, yeah, have, we do. We do. We, we got ton. a bunch of stories to get to. We have a couple recorded and a bunch written. So let me first off say thanks. We've gotten a ton of replies the last couple of times we've done this, and it is not lost on me. I really appreciate people taking the time, and it's, it's fun for us to hear these stories and read these stories and everything. So I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. And you can get in touch with us now. The The email address is marinerspod at mariners.com, and you can reach us anytime. So I will start, Aaron, with one I know you're really going to like because it involves— Well, first of all, the, 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 we, we need to go over the prompt for people who didn't oh, hear last week. Right. I mean, we did say Mariners in the wild, but that might not mean the same to everybody. So what, what, what was the prompt? So the prompt was an intern of ours, Chad Brown, who we really enjoy. He's great. He had a happenstance run-in the day before his wedding with Dayho Lee. <laughs> That's what happened. I mean, I knew I knew what you were going to say, but it's still funny as I'll get out to hear you say it. I mean, to hear Chad say, one of his family members said to Chad, is that Deho Lee? I think that is one of the greatest questions that has ever been asked. And as it turned out, it was Deho Lee. It was. It was Deho Lee. And they had official photos taken with Deho. Official photos with Deho Lee. So that's where this comes from. Uh, I guess we... We previewed a story, too, that we'll tell later on, but I want to get to a, a couple of these. And I'm looking for one that you're going to like, Aaron, because it involves one of our favorite companies. So Alaska Airlines? Yes, that's exactly right. This is from Daniel, who was traveling a few years ago to Anaheim on Alaska Airlines, and he'd gotten the bump, which is always the greatest feeling. Oh, before. the bump. Yeah. So the bump. He, he got the first class bump, was seated in the second row against the window, and the Mariners happened to be playing an away series against the Angels. And he had bought tickets for the next night. So he's flying down, he's going to the game the next night. And you know, he's ready for the flight, the flight crew's about to close the cabin door when one more passenger runs onto the plane last minute, and it was Jamie Moyer. Of all people. Yeah. So, and he, big Mariners fan, Daniel's a big Mariners fan, so he recognizes this immediately, kind of nervously leans forward in the seat and asks JB for his autograph, which he did. He signed, he happened to be wearing a Mariners hat, so he signed his Mariner hat on the underside of the bill, which he was thrilled about. And he happened to wear that hat the next day uh, at the ball game. And Jamie Moyer was pitching the next day as well. Which oh, is very nice. Cool. Yeah. That adds to it. Yeah. So I think that's a good story. It combines very cool. a lot of our favorites. Mariners baseball. I mean, you, you had me at first class bump. I was already hooked. <laughs> I know. It's like he wrote this story for us. <laughs> I agree. I definitely agree. That's great. Okay, so this one's from Patrick. I love this one for a lot of reasons. So this is when Chris Young was pitching here a few years ago. And Patrick was at a park with his daughter, and Chris Young was at the same park with his kids. And, you know, he, Chris Young really stood out for a few reasons. Uh, he's, <laughs> you know, 6'10", for one right. thing. So he's at the park, and he's like, his kids are playing, and it's like, there's Chris Young. That's Chris Young over there. 
So he encourages his daughter to start play, start playing with Chris Young's kids to try and work yes. the green. Yeah, which I think is phenomenal. I think that's a great way to work work in the meeting. So you know, your kids start playing, you wander over and strike up a conversation, and it's so great. He he talks about how great Chris Chris Young is a really nice guy. And so oh my this, gosh, yeah. such a, and he now works for the league office. Yeah. In a, so, in, a, in a very high-ranking position, actually. Yeah. So they have a great conversation. Uh, they talk for a while. He tells Chris Young what he does. You know, He led a pub crawl at the time. And later in the season, he walked into a place uh, where he was doing this pub crawl, and he hears, Patrick, Patrick, are you on your tour? And it was Chris Young. He remembered him from the park. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, it was pretty great. Which, that doesn't surprise me at all, man. No. Chris is – Class, class dude, all the way through. It was, he's just a, a wonderful, wonderful person. That's very cool and yeah. very sneaky to get the kid to play with the kids. That's a that's a pro move. It's a perfect way to do it. Can I tell you my Chris Young running into story? I have a Chris yeah. Young running. I don't think I don't think I know this. Yeah, so I'm in Tokyo, right? I'm in the Tokyo Dome for the first time, and I have not for the first time. I was there for the exhibition games, but I'm there setting up for the game. So I'd never been to our broadcast booth, and I really had no idea where to go. And I had all the equipment, and uh, I tried asking where to go, and the instructions, well, the instructions were probably fine. I just had no idea. So I am going up and down this elevator, and Tokyo Dome's weird where the broadcast booth is actually, if you picture, I don't know, picture T-Mobile Park, and if you walk up from like home plate to just kind of the back of the stance, that's basically where the broadcast booth is. It's just mm. behind the crowd in the first level. But I didn't know it at the time. So I'm I'm thinking like most places it's 300 level or something like that. So I'm trying to go up. And I'm just going up and down on this elevator. And door opens and Chris Young walks in. And Joe Torrey walks in behind him. Oh, my gosh. So – they're asking me, hey, do you know where such and such is? I'm like, I have no idea. I am lost. So we go up one floor, walk out, look around, not it. Go up the next floor, walk around, not it. Go up the next floor. We're in a kitchen walking around. Like I'm dodging <laughs> the equipment around pickles and everything as I'm trying to advance the equipment through in this narrow spot. And people, and people need to realize that the equipment you're wheeling is on a full dolly, yeah, weighs a ton. A There's like four cases. This is this is a pretty big rig you're wheeling yeah, around. Yeah, it's, it's not good. I'm getting fatigued. I mean, muscles are breaking <laughs> down. It's a problem. And Joe Torrey's leading the way. Like, It's a real team effort at this point. Like, Joe Torrey becomes the scout. He's off the elevator first. He's looking around. Is this the right place? Chris Young's holding the elevator for me as I wheel it out. He still holds the elevator if we have to go back. And this goes on for like 20 minutes till we eventually find what we're looking for. But I, too, enjoyed my Chris Young experience. He was fantastic. Really nice guy. Such a good dude. Yeah. And then, so to complete the story, bring it full circle, the next night we're going to the MLB function in our hotel and everybody's mm -hmm. there, all the A's, all the Mariners, the whole traveling party. I mean, Griffey, Ricky Henderson, everybody. And my wife and I are heading down the elevator, and we stop, like, the floor below us. And Joe Torrey hops on. And I crack a joke, like, oh, I hope we find where we're going or something like that, something stupid. And Joe Torrey, 
looks at me, he laughs, and he, he recognized me from the day before. It's like, yeah. So it was great. Hey, you and Joe are pretty tight now, huh? Yeah. So there it is. Very nice. Uh, that's, that's solid, Garen. That's solid. Yeah, this is good. Uh, this one is, this one's funny. It makes me laugh just so it is. So enjoying brunch on the outdoor deck at a restaurant in Manson, Washington. Are you familiar with Manson, Washington? Man, I can't say that I am. I'm not either. <laughs> uh, he was with his wife and friends during the All-Star break and just hanging out in Manson, Washington. And guess who walks in with his wife and children? He makes eye contact and says, Tom? He nodded yes. It was Tom Wilhelmsen hanging out in Manson, Washington during the All-Star break. Oh, man, that's a... Manson must have been a party then if Isn't Big Tom great? was there. Oh, I love the fact that he ran into Tom Wilhelmson. I think that's amazing. That is great. I love Tom. One of the one of the greats. He uh this is from Stephen. <clears throat> Stephen? Stephen Stephen. He uh also seemed to think that Tom appreciated them keeping their distance at dinner, but did walk by and say uh say hi after the fact. But I thought that was All nice. Right. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, I miss Tom. I know. I do, too. He was great to have around. So this one's really good. This one's kind of long, but it's really funny. This one's from John. And just the end of this, I find, I mean, just the circumstance of how this happened. So John tells a story. He grew up in Kelso, uh, a huge Mariner fans in the 80s and, you know, went to a ton of games over the years and, you know, go to the kingdom all the time, big Mariners fan, that kind of thing. And so he leaves Washington to go to college in Idaho in 1990. He started dating his now wife in 1991. And uh, the summer of the next year, she flew off to Spain and went to school there with her best friend from high school uh, who went to Seattle Pacific university. And one of the other students at SPU, was a recent alum named Holly. And they all hung out and had a great time abroad. And uh, at some point, Holly flies back to the United States. And in a phone call with his girlfriend, she says she's been flown back to, his girlfriend's been flown back to attend the All-Star game. Holly's been flown back to attend the All-Star game because her fiancé was playing in the All-Star game. A guy named Edgar Martinez, do you know him? <laughs> his girlfriend says. And, of course, John just loses it. Uh, meanwhile, a couple months later, he is dressed up at Edgar Martinez's wedding, meeting Edgar Martinez, and he's just he's over the moon about the whole thing. Which he was at Edgar Martinez's wedding, which is great. that is that is incredible. Don't you think? Boy, sometimes sometimes your girlfriend's friends really pay off. Yes, don't they? that's right. That's right. I mean, not often, if we can be frank about it. But sometimes. Sometimes. So we have a couple recorded ones to get to. Uh, let's do one about Robinson Cano first. This, uh, no setup involved. This one's just about Robinson Cano. Here it is. It's from Corey. I think it was the summer of 2017. I was at the Mariner game with my dad and my brother. And so after the game, uh, my dad decided to take me and my brother to the Metropolitan Grill to, you know, celebrate a little bit, you know, get us a nice steak. And so we get there, 
We're set the table and probably maybe 20 minutes into our dinner, Robinson Cano walks in and he goes and sits basically across the aisle from us. Um, and he's there with uh, a friend, uh, another guy, and they're probably there for 15, 20 minutes or so. Me and my brother decided to walk over, you know, say a great game because I believe we won. I think he had a good game too, but. We say hi, you know, game and everything, and go back to our dinner. Well, you know, after 15 minutes or 20 minutes of being there, his buddy gets up, walks away, and his, you know, significant other, you know, girlfriend, wife, I don't know who, you know, who he was seeing at the time, but shows up and sits down, and then they get dinner. And I just thought it was so funny that he has a good enough friend who would just sit at dinner with him, or sit at a restaurant with him, waiting for someone else to show up and then just leave once she shows up. Okay, that one's from Corey. That's pretty cool, right? Happen meeting with Robinson Cano. I would would say Robbie, and I think you'd agree with this, um, whether he's on the field or, like, walking to get a sandwich is about the coolest dude you're going to run across. So to be able to brush shoulders with Robbie, not a bad thing, man. It's a cool dude for sure. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, This one's great. This was from Rob. And this is so funny. And I love, it involves Dave Valley, who's one of our favorites. This is great. So here's Rob with Dave Valley. And a few years ago, I was at a work dinner at the Metropolitan Grill, which many of us affectionately refer to in Seattle as just the Met. And in this particular uh, dinner, those of us who attended received very generous gifts. We received replica Seahawks helmets with actual signatures from a number of Seahawks players. And mine happened to be number three. And so there I was, you know, walking out of the Met at the end of this dinner with uh, a, a Seahawks helmet in my left arm. And it was signed by Russell Wilson. And I gave my parking... Uh, valet ticket to the valet attendant and stood outside there on second avenue uh, waiting for my car you know it whatever it was 9 30 10 o'clock at night and it's a little cold out there and there's another gentleman uh, just a couple of feet away from me and we're both kind of standing under the their awning that's heated uh staying warm and you know give each other the head nod and, and exchange pleasantries i think i said to him how's your night going he said good How's your night going? I said, great. And he said, do you happen to work for the Seattle Seahawks? Seeing the helmet that I had, obviously, in my hand. And I said, no. No, I don't. It was a a work event, uh, but pretty great. You know, got this autographed helmet. He said, that is pretty great. I said, yeah. You know, we exchanged probably a few more pleasantries. And I asked him, how about you? What do you do? And he said, oh, I... I, I work for the Seattle Mariners, and I, of course, keyed in and looked at him a, a little bit closer, and I said, Dave, Dave Valley? I said, yep, you got it. And so I grew up in those formative years, you know, in that seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old version of me was very much so into the Mariners, and that was in really the late 80s, early 90s uh, time period. And Dave was the catcher for the Mariners. So 
I said, you know, Dave, a true story, back in the fan fest, some fan fest of the early 90s, you were one of the guys that I, you were kind enough to take a photo uh, with me. And he said, oh, that's great. I said, yeah, you know, it's fun. I got a few of them. I got Edgar's and he's got a sweet mustache and his and a couple others. But it just so happens that yours, your photograph, my mom liked it so much, you know, just both of us smiling that she took it after she got it printed which is what, obviously, back in the day, right? All these photographs had to get printed, so pay and save or wherever it was. And she put it, she had it put onto a coffee mug. And he laughed and he said, no kidding. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, a coffee mug. And for whatever reason, uh, this has been a mug that I have not managed to break over the years and still have it. Uh, I'm not sure my, you know, fiance loves it with all of our regular dishes, you know, and he kind of laughed. Uh, but I said, but I still got it. And he said, oh, that's great. You know, and, and his buddies uh, or his work colleagues came out and there I was still waiting for my car and we kind of shifted and I called up my fiance. She was at her house and I said, honey, can you, uh, can you please go straight to the kitchen cabinets and will you please take a photo of that uh, coffee mug that has, you know, seven-year-old me and that baseball player from the Mariners, because I'm I'm sitting next to him, uh, waiting for my car uh, outside of the Metropolitan Grill, and she said, "What?" And I said, "We just please go to the the cabinet and take a photo of that mug." And she's like, "Yeah, sure." And you know, of, of, I was worried, like, you know, she's gonna send it to me in 20 minutes, and I'm gonna get it while I'm driving home. Uh, but fortunately, within just a minute or so, uh, the text message went off. She had taken the photo of the mug with the photo of me and Dave Valley with his work crew there. I said, look, guys, this is a true, this is really it. This is me and Dave on this mug together. We've, I've still got this thing. And he, you know, very much so being just a, a kind guy and, and kind of making a little bit of a joke, but he said, look guys, see, I really was a big deal back in the early nineties in Seattle. And of course they all laughed and I laughed. Uh, and he said, you know what, before I go, we got to get another photo. And so, uh, in my phone, I have not printed this one out, nor have I put it on a mug, although I definitely should, you know, I've got a photo of me and Dave Valley, uh, from much more recently and from 20 plus years ago, uh, 30, I guess 30 plus years ago. <laughs> uh, so a, f a fun for me, Mariners in the Wild reconnect story with one of the classic M's from the early 90s. I love a lot of things about that story. What's great about this one is it feels like it's a twofer. He got two Mariners in the Wilds, Dave Valley twice, which is great. You're right. And Val is the perfect guy for this yes. because he has such a great sense of humor and he would definitely want to take a second picture. <laughs> There's no question about it. Just the fact that, I mean, how many cycles in the dishwasher has that mug gone through? Right. I mean, this mug is like an artifact of this family and Valley's face has been seen on hundreds and hundreds of breakfasts uh, for that family. And I guess Valley probably never, um, I guess you probably never think of that as a player when you pose for a photograph that this photograph might live for decades in somebody's home <laughs> or on a mug, as this one clearly did.
It seems impossible the monk hasn't broken at this point. I find that to be remarkable. That's a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Good for Val. You know, I'm going to give you a mug with my face on it. I think that would be good for you to have around your household. I have. I know just the picture, Gary. <laughs> so all of this reminded us of our... Oh, by the way, it's an ugly picture of Gary, for those wondering. It's, I mean, Gary had no goatee, just a mustache. and I mean, look, you just look terrible, Gary. You I look, look awful. I, I could look like that right now for all anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Mary, my wife, recently cut my hair. It did not go well. So let me just throw that I out thought, there. I think, you, I think your hair looks great. I mean that. You do? I really do. Yeah. I think this is your new look. I think you're permanent COVID cut, man. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. This reminded us uh, of our New York story. Yeah, we you want to take the lead on telling this one. This was great because, well, it's great for a lot of reasons. One, we had a four-game series in New York. <clears throat> or I take that back. It was a three-game series, but we day. had an off day in New York. Yeah, yeah. So we were there for essentially four nights, <clears throat> and my, I think. I think if you were going to make me name my favorite restaurant in baseball, at least the one that has the most meaning to me, it would be Walensky's Grill in, in New York. And it has some, some sentimental value to me. And this is like a completely random memory. But Kremen and I had dinner at Walensky's Grill, just the two of, two of us, probably my third fourth season with the Mariners we got rained out in New York against the Yankees and bus back to the city and went back to the hotel room and he said you want to have you been to Walensky's let me take you there and so we had this incredible dinner I had a 22 ounce bone in ribeye which he took probably half of without <laughs> me without any without asking at all just took it from my plate and he just told me all these stories about Dave and Rick and way back when and other broadcasters. And it was just this huge trip trip down memory lane for like two hours just with Kevin. And that was my first experience at Walensky's Grill. And it's always held, honestly, it's always held like this really special place in my heart ever, ever since. And it doesn't hurt that the stakes are top notch and the vibe is incredible. And so Walensky's is always, as you know, a go-to place as many dinners as I can get to. And don't be confused for those who have been to New York or thinking about going to New York. Now, when things get normal again, there is Smith and Walensky, which is the steakhouse that many people are familiar with. It originated in New York. It has since spun off to, I don't know, Chicago, probably Miami, the the normal culinary hotspots. But there's only one Walensky's Grill. And Walensky's Grill is probably shares the wall, shares the kitchen with Smith and Walensky in New York. And the grill is very small. It's very intimate. Like if you packed it back to back and belly to belly, like John Sterling would say, <laughs> you probably, I don't know. And what do you think, Gary? You could probably fit like 150 people or something in Maybe. it. Is that yeah. like packed? I'm talking yeah. like yeah, stuffed. Yeah. yeah. Like That's it right. would not be comfortable at all. It's a very intimate uh little restaurant with limited table seating. Most of it is the bar. And what table seating there are is there are small tables. Uh, you really can't get much more than four to most of the tables. And 
a good chunk of the seating is on kind of this elevated tier that looks, looks down over the bar, it's elevated slightly above the bar, and you just have this great view of the whole restaurant, as limited as the whole restaurant is. So you, me, uh, Tim Hevley, who is our director of baseball information, and Ryan Huter, who is uh, his understudy, go to Walensky's one night after a game against the Yankees. And we walk in the, in the front door, and when you walk through the front door, you really have to go to the right to get to the seating. It's a pretty sharp turn to the right. And then at that point, you're more than likely going to take an immediate left. Uh, that's where most of the seating is. And that's where the seating that's elevated overlooking the bar is. And so the host took us that kind of predictable route. And we walk up just a couple of steps to get to this elevated seating. And there's a two-top, a table for two people that we walk past. And to our benefit, the one person sitting at this table was facing the steps. We looked right at his face as we walked up the steps. And very randomly, we noticed immediately that it was Greg Popovich, the uh, boisterous, fairly opinionated head coach for the San Antonio Spurs. Like, no question about it. Like, I mean, 100%. Yeah, no doubt. That's Greg Popovich. Yeah. And so we sit down at our table, which is only two tables, three tables away. Two, yeah. There was one table between us. Okay. And we sit down immediately and we're like, hey, that was that was Pop. That was Popovich right there. And so he's sitting there eating probably the biggest lobster in New York. <laughs> I think that's right. At like what All time by himself, is it at this point? We're talking. When we first get there, it's probably, I mean, 10, 30, 11 o'clock yeah, at night. That's right. right. And he's watching the NBA playoffs, which is being televised on the TVs above the bar, which he's almost eye level with. And the Spurs are out. And They're done. Spurs are Yeah, Spurs are done. He's watching the Warriors and some West Coast game at that hour. And so we're talking about Pop and how cool this is that he's like, hey, man, like if we need any validation that we're in the right spot, Popovich is here. Because for those who don't know, Pop Popovich is this like – Epic foodie. And I like foodie has become such an invoke term that I, I almost never use it, even just in casual conversation. But like he is always on the hunt for the best restaurants in every major city, domestically and abroad. I mean, he's that kind of guy. He's really, really, really into the best food imaginable. And so that then takes me down this path of telling the table some of these Popovich stories about eating and that I've read and heard about. And we start talking more and more about this and we're coming up on Sunday and on Sundays when we have Mariners magazine and on Mariners magazine on the road, as many people know, we have a segment called road eats where we talk about what restaurants we go to and the spin that you and I have put on it in recent years is we try to speak to like a great server, like a really charismatic server or a manager of one of the restaurants and really learn some in-depth history or nuggets and details about the restaurant that we wouldn't know about just by Googling it. And it's really been a kind of a fun spin to add to Road Eats. And one of us had the idea, dude, it would be all-time epic if Popovich was on Road Eats talking about Walensky's Grill. Like, this would never be topped. 
but we're all really scared <laughs> to go and approach yeah, him. That's right. I mean, I kind of I, thought about it. It would go one of two ways. He would be thrilled and would love us, or he would hate us and punch us all in the face. Right. Like, would just throw his nothing. lobster tail at yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. Totally agree. And the funny thing is, like, we're terrified, and we ask questions to people in professional sports <laughs> every day. It's kind of our job. So if anybody should have confidence to do this, it should be the table that we are at. And we're all like, no, nah, man, I don't, I do not think this is a good idea at all. But then, you know, the person on your other shoulder is saying like, you, you have to pursue this. Well, I'm going to give a little spoiler alert just because it's a real letdown at the end of the story. Like we don't talk to Popovich. No, like I'm just, gonna get, I'm just going to get that out. Yeah, I'm going to get that out right now because I'm going to get to the end of the story and it's going to be a real letdown. So let's just let us down now before we get too far off the ground. So as I'm telling some of these stories about Popovich and his like epic culinary exploits, it's dining all around the world. I mean, I, I have to validate how I've heard these stories. And I say, you know, I, I, I was told these stories from Sean Elliott, who I did a handful of college basketball games with. I mean, at this point, it was like six seven years, years ago, ago. <laughs> yeah. seven years ago, right? Uh, but Fox had him do, like we did the Pac-12 tournament together one year. He, We did a couple other like random, like it was always an Arizona game, right? Because he's an Arizona guy. Uh, but he's a Fox employee for the Spurs because he's their, at least at last check, their main television analyst. So Fox would just pull him from the Spurs and go throw him on this random Pac-12 Arizona basketball game. And they could do that. And he kind of enjoyed it. And so heavily at the table, who's the smartest one there, says, well, Aaron, Sean is our in. The only way we get the pop is through Sean. Do you have his number? And I'm like, yeah, like I'm pretty sure that he and I texted when we worked together about, you know, logistics of whatever. So I opened my phone. I go to my contacts. I'm going to look it up right now, actually, so I don't so I get the date exactly <laughs> yes. right. It's because this is what this is. What we're, uh, Sean. Yeah. OK. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I I I uh, I absolutely have his number. I'm pulling this up now. Messages. Fantastic. So I'm like, let me let me see when the last time I texted him. Now, keep in mind, this is the summer of 2019, right? Mm -hmm. The last text message that Sean Elliott and I exchanged was March 10th, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it has so been, great. I mean, it has been a long time since I have talked to Sean, right? And at this point, it's like midnight in New York. Yeah. I'm assuming that since the Spurs are done, he's at home in San Antonio. So it's 11 o'clock in San Antonio. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, man, like... This is our only chance. Like, I'm going to go for it. So I'm going to read you the exact text that I sent Sean <laughs> at 12.04 a.m., okay? Sean, it's Aaron Goldsmith from Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Walensky's Grill in NYC, two tables over from Pop, thinking of all the food stories you told me about him. Ha, ha, ha. Hope you're well. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then and then attached was a photo which i still have of the back of pop's head 
at Walensky's. <laughs> and Gary, your right shoulder, okay? Yes. So obviously what we're hoping is going to happen is Sean's going to write back and say, oh, Aaron, my man, I so great you. to hear from you. I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> You got to go over and tell Pop dot, 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 right? Like, right. go tell him I say hi. Like, yeah. okay, there's my end, right? Instead, ha, ha, ha. First of all, he texted back in like five minutes, right? Which is kind of which shocking. Was, I expected nothing. Not kind of, it was like 100% shocking. Yeah. I was expecting a, who is this? Ha, ha, ha. Glad to hear from you, Aaron. That's Pop. Hang him by himself, enjoying food and great wine. He loves to walk the streets and sample food all over. Enjoy your dinner. Sean Elliott, right? <laughs> and so, like, at that point, like, that was our opportunity. Sean was gracious enough to acknowledge that he knows, knows who I am and that he actually wants to spend five seconds interacting with me. We all agreed as a table, 100%, we cannot talk to Pop while the game is going on. Yeah. That can't because he is clearly here to watch the game. Yeah. Right. He was, and he really so, was. Like he was what he was which is not a surprise. I mean right. NBA coach. And so going. if we were going to talk to him, it was going to be after the game was over with. Yeah. And I swear, and you can attest to this, he got up and left before the game was over with. Yeah, he did. So which took us by surprise. And it looked like he, yeah, which was surprising. So it's like, well, all right, there goes that opportunity. But it was the white whale that we never were able to get. But it was, um, I tell you what, it was a real thrill to be with uh, Heavily and Huter, who work in PR. Heavily, who's been in PR his entire life and has like won awards for his work. He's amazing. And service yeah. in Major League. Yeah, he's top notch. Doesn't get better than Tim Heavily. And I storm with Hev. On how to approach this situation. If it was just you and me, <laughs> I like, like I'm pretty sure we would have had we still would have missed out on him, but there was a greater risk of him throwing his lobster at us, you know? So yeah. I'm glad we had parental supervision. No, it's great. I mean, Heavily and Huter, they yeah, adult supervision they kept is the perfect way to put it. They yeah, kept us grounded. That's right. That's right. Adults. Adults. I also will say, and this might disappoint you, I, I think that's the last time. I, it pains me to say this. I think it's the last time that I go four stakes and four nights at Walensky's. Well, like it just, it just doesn't seem wise, Gary. No, it doesn't seem wise as you sit here when you are in New York again, which will happen. <laughs> and you are given the opportunity of four nights in a row. Your tune will change. And I am confident you know, I, that it will like no doubt funny, in my I had mind. This, remember i had like a full four night plan yeah, laid out for walensky's yeah it was going to be and it was uh bone and ribeye night one uh night two was the bone and strip night three was the filet and night four was lobster right we're just we're we're tapering right we're, we're tapering like we're cutting as we go along uh-huh and I was obedient with night one and night two. Night three, I had to reverse order. I was like, I need a break. I'm going lobster. Okay. Night four, which was when we saw Popovich, I was planning on going filet. 
but Heavily came with us, and Heavily and I split the ribeye, which I ordered night one. But this time I oh no, we split the porterhouse. So you know, like there's a fillet involved there. So I felt like it wasn't like I was just willy nilly about the whole thing. I guess is the point. I want people to know that this is this yeah, is really well thought out. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Gary. I appreciate that. But I will, but I will go four nights in a row. I just will, you know. I don't know what I'll do, but I know what you'll it do. won't be. It... <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it? Isn't Walensky's just just the, like you really feel like you're in New York when you're Walensky's? You really do, and I mean from from our perspective, like finding in our in our line of work, finding somewhere good to eat after we're done working is such yeah. a rare treat that it feels like we really have to take advantage of it. Man, that night I remember. And we left. We must have left there like, who who knows? Close to one in the morning, right? Yeah. And I remember that there was a f- table of like four people who sat down across from us. They were sitting down as we were paying the check. I know. To order food, I'm like, what? I mean, I guess people could look at me and us and say, "What are you guys doing?" But I'm looking at these people like, "What are you guys doing, man?" I mean, you're going to be getting out of here after two in the morning. Yeah, which I felt. I, I every time I'm there, I do want to walk around and just ask everyone. Okay, so what are you doing? What? Yeah, where have you been? Yes. like that has that has made you this hungry this late at night. Yeah, but they're open till I think they are open till like two in the morning. Yeah. It's, it's terrific. So right. Walensky's it, Grill. It does make you feel like New York. You're absolutely right. It really that. does. <laughs> we might never. We will never have that great of a road eats opportunity again. But yeah. I can live with. <clears throat> and it's why I have a lot of respect for all these stories that came before us, because those are stories uh, of interaction. Our is a story of no <laughs> interaction at all. Of like, completely, completely uh, giving up on the situation and having no backbone, which like, I think everybody, everybody who hears this understands why. Yeah. But if you boil our story down, we just spent like 15 about nothing really because <laughs> nothing the, happened and that's why i gave the spoiler because <laughs> it's exact like people are listening to this being like oh my gosh they're gonna get popovich they're gonna interview popovich this is gonna be they're gonna then they're gonna play the interview popovich play ever yeah, yeah like no sorry man like this yeah. is this is total dud didn't but, even say hi not even a nod didn't even nothing. say hi yeah nothing but the rush of adrenaline that we felt as yeah. we were game planning what to do and texting sean elliott i mean that was for us Probably not for anybody listening right now, but for us, that that was enough. Oh, what helps? Everybody is, else is yeah. everybody else is saying we just wasted twenty minutes of their life. And and the self satisfaction knowing that the segment would have been fabulous really helps yes. me get through. I mean, that's all I really I, need. It would have been great. So it would have been great. Yeah, yeah, we know that. That's yeah. all that counts. Right. That's right. I look forward to when we get back there again. Hopefully, hopefully soon. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. So this is fun. We're going to do another one of these coming up. Well, thank you, G-Man. Yeah. Always good to talk to you. Perfect. 